0: Welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz. The Seattle Seahawks come away with their fourth loss of the season, losing to the New York Giants at home. They fall to eight and four, the Giants move to five and seven still, leading the NFC East. And they lose by a score of 17 to 12. Here joining me to talk about it is Stuart Court from the Pedestrian podcast, the UK Seahawkers Podcast. Stu, it's been a while since I've had you on. And uh this this wasn't the, the kind of reunion that I was expecting when we set this up.
1: <laughs> no, it wasn't. I, th- I thought we'd have some fun. We're gonna like have like 35, 40 points to talk about, six on
0: know, you know just... I, I wasn't really expecting a score in the 30s in this game, no, no, but I no. was expecting uh, a win, and I was expecting a, a pretty good defensive performance. And if you would have told me at the start of the day that the Seahawks defense was gonna give up 17 points. I'd say okay. I I know that Russell Wilson can put more points up on the board than that, but this had to be one of the worst games of football that we've seen from Russell Wilson this season.
1: I think it's one of the worst games we've seen from Russell Wilson in what nine nine and a bit years. I think he's he he looked he looked like a baseball player with the yips at, at certain points. He just he double clutch and everything. He was always I mean obviously we don't know what the play calls were showing him or telling him to do with the reads and stuff, but he just he just looked. Way, way off, and the whole the whole thing just kind of went down with how he looked and how he felt. Kind of thing, it just it was. I mean, it, like, we kind of point to the fact that they shut out Lockett and DK because they both got like 70 odd yards each. It's not like they did that, like, the tight ends were relatively involved. Carson was going at a pretty steady clip. It just, it's, it, it all comes to the quarterback just when it comes to it, not making the play which he has so often this season and obviously over the last nine and a half years it was just hopefully uncharacteristic but it's a worry when it's stacked up against what he's done for the last three and a half four weeks
0: right you go back to the philly game and then it seems to kind of continue into this game and one of the things in the post-game press conference russ was asked if he was indecisive and I, i don't know if that was quite the right characterization i thought Russ was decisive in this game. We did see him, you know, like you were saying, he had a couple of those double clutches on when it looked like he was going to attempt to throw downfield, decided to tuck it away. And a lot of times those ended up being huge sacks. He was sacked five times for almost 50 yards. And, you know, there were moments in this game where it was a 15 yard sack and that really put him in a bad spot. So it wasn't, I think that he was indecisive. It was just he was consistently making decisions that didn't work out. It just didn't work. Whatever they planned just didn't work. And again, they just didn't seem to
1: change things up either quickly enough or at all or correctly enough, if that's right. the right English. But it just, it just, I don't know. It's just one of those days, I guess, but it's, I've think i, I I've said for a few weeks in our podcast that I really don't think Russell Wilson trusts the people, all five of the guys ahead of him. But I think, obviously a postage out for a few weeks, I we had patty out for a few weeks. And the last two games he's had no Brandon Shell, who's been probably the best offseason move they made, or free agency move they made. He just shored up that right side but with Ogbui last week and um Chad Wheeler and uh Jamarco Jones who I quite like and he's looked steady. Mm-hmm when he's been called, called upon in like, limited action. Jones it was, did
0: look better than Abwehi, I thought at least, but yeah, still it, it did look, it did seem like Russ wasn't completely comfortable. Yeah, so I, I think that's a massive thing, I, uh,
1: way more than the Carson effect maybe had. I just don't think he trusts the protection in front of him, and I, I think the injuries on that unit are starting to catch up with him mentally maybe but it's it's definitely catching up and affecting the team on the offensive side of the ball i
0: think well and you talk about them not making adjustments quickly enough that was one of the things that we heard from russell after the game was that in the second half they tried to go to more taking the quick throws taking what was there not quite looking for those big plays downfield and i don't know why they didn't necessarily start with that early on because the first drive looked relatively good for them because they they hit tyler on a on a pretty nice play downfield and they get all the way down to the 13, but then you have three straight incompletions inside the red zone. They have to take a field goal. So, you know, there's four points there that you wish that they could have back on the subsequent drives all throughout the first half, Stu, it was on that second drive, you know, it's, it's third and five Russ drops back, hits his back foot. And it seemed like they had a play call that it didn't even look like there was a guy turning around, waiting for the football when Russell Wilson hit the back of his drop so you know that is curious to me because you see that week after week in those short yarded situations where they don't even have a guy that seems to be looking for the football on a relatively short third down play when all you need to do is drop back get the ball out quickly and get the first down
1: but back on that the red zone position I, I, that's the first alarm of the day where really. he was like okay We've got the ball here. We've been really good in the red zone so far this season, but they just like the three passes. You're like, okay, Chris Carson is clearly still nowhere near hundred percent. Carlos Hyde is clearly not near hundred percent. If you're not handing the ball off to running backs who have proven this year and obviously years past more, more often than not with both of them, that they can get the ball in and do things to the positive effect of the offense. I just, that was the first kind of, okay,
0: This might be one of them. You know what? That wasn't quite it for me, though. The the thing that for me was on the third drive of the game was when they crossed midfield. It was fourth and six. Russ had just picked up 12 yards and they were kind of in that sweet spot of the zone where, a 55 yard field goal. Pete Carroll was saying that it's outside kind of the range that they set at the start of the game. So they weren't going to go for the field goal. But fourth and six. And you got to think that your defense going up against a backup quarterback. Why not go for it in that situation? But maybe, maybe the answer is because we saw what they did when they went for it in the other fourth down situations, <laughs> and they just didn't execute. So I, you know, that. But that was the first flag to me of of why opt to punt it in that situation when you know fourth and six.
1: I've less of a problem with that one than the ones we've seen in the recent weeks of season, obviously. But yeah, because I think, as you said, with the backup quarterback, their run game at that point wasn't doing anything. I think you just kind of twist your defense, which is, at that, at that juncture of the game, they maybe were spanning blood because I, that just came after the digs in, interceptions right, didn't it? So I think, I kind of get that one a bit more. Dixon is kicking the leather off the ball as well. So, like, that's, of all the fourth downs, it kind of makes some sense. It, Pete said it after, after the game, it was on their, like, borderline of where Myers and the, the, the three of them were comfortable kicking in that direction. So, I haven't got a problem. It's more of a problem that we clearly got to stop. And then just nothing kind of changed for the rest of the
0: game. If anything, it got mildly worse. Yeah, well, it got worse from there in the first half on their fourth drive. That was the fumble that Russell, you know, the snap didn't look like it uh, was clean. But Russ got both of his hands on the football and yet ended up not being able to secure the football when he went to the ground. So uh, that was weird. And then still the Giants not able to to do anything with that. They go three and out. And then the Hawks get the ball back inside of two minutes. And it was one of the worst two minutes that I've seen from a Seahawks offense. I mean, they have struggled in two minute offense for whatever reason inside the two minute warning. But you had Russ setting up a screen. It got sniffed out. He nearly gets sacked. He nearly throws a pick. Hyde ends up catching it anyway, and they get penalized on that same play. So there were five different things that were terrible that happened on that particular Mm. play. Uh, On second and 16, you have Russ, who's running it, and Tyler's right there, and he makes a really awkward throw to Tyler when he could have just run the football and, and picked up a few yards, and instead it's an incomplete pass, and then third and 16, they can't make it, and they end up punting it away. They end up getting the ball back even after the, the safety and an intentional grounded call after a false start. And it just, gosh, I, those final two minutes and then, well, I guess even the safety didn't go right because it was a blocked punt by Ryan Neal. DJ Dallas is there in the end zone. It's not like it's a, a defender or a linebacker or something. That's not used to having his hands on the football and it bounces out of his hands and they end up just getting the safety instead of getting a touchdown. Yeah. I mean,
1: Looking about to Carlos Hyde, why he just didn't just get in the way of that? Don't have to catch it, just get in the way so that guy can't get it. But that's some very minor annoyance. And there clearly was a lot of hand sanitizer, I'm guessing, on the ball today because I mean there was. There's another occasion where they just didn't really seem to be able to dive on. No, I know it's a weird shape, but they they practice that kind of thing, and it's just everything was just a smidge off. And in a league where you obviously you need that smidgen of extra percentage to go your way in games like that, it didn't go our way again when different things were just not clicking or not looking at anything like they have at certain points this season
0: well Stu, let's take a break let's come back there was one highlight in this game that i that i think is worth discussing and you know a lot of negative talk that we've uh, obviously when it's a loss and your offense only puts 10 points up on the board you get a, a safety for another two you have a game-winning drive attempt at the end of the game nothing seems to go right but there was one thing in this game that i I thought was a highlight worth discussing and we'll talk about that coming up next talking to Stuart court of the pedestrian podcast breaking down the seahawks fourth loss of the season and man i know i was gonna I, i know i teased going into the break that i wanted to talk about something positive but to be the first team that loses the first winning team that loses to an NFC East team. I'm struggling with that, Stu.
1: Yeah, it's me and Adam on the Position podcast. We have our soccer teams and we kind of use their abbreviated names as like a term for things that only happen against us. So Spursy or that's that kind of thing. And that that's very Seahawks. But of course, it's us who loses. I mean, I'm just kind of disappointed we didn't lose 17-5. Because that was—I'm pretty certain—that's was a scorigami 14-5 definitely was. <laughs> so just to try and just take something out of it, just something that we can go. Yeah, hey, all that, of hey, our Scorigamis, cool.
0: though have been in wins, Stu. Yeah, I don't want to take—I don't want to have it be the first scorigami loss. That's true. That was—that was just—it's that was just clutching its jaws just at that point. And
1: night when you, I was actually on scorigami website as well, just going, oh, well, that can happen still. But um, <laughs> but yeah, it's we said in the pod uh, this week, a preview previewing the game that like the Giants' defense is good it's just if it was good enough to stop what we saw more often than not this season anyway for russell wilson and the answer was a
0: resounding yes apparently and the thing that worried me about the giants defense going into this game one with them kind of being on a roll but when i had the discussion with nick filato of big blue view kind of previewing this game and when he said just the way that the the giants defense tends to take away deep stuff keep everything in front of them it sounds very much like what the Seahawks and Pete Carroll like to try and do on defense. But for whatever reason, Russell Wilson seems to struggle with just being patient and taking what's there. They're, they mm-hmm. want to go for the big plays. So I did have that bit of concern going into this game. I just thought with Colt McCoy being you know qu- quarterback for the Giants. And I feel like I was right to think that because mm-hmm. Colt finished the day 13 to 22, 105 yards, and he had the one interception. to so Quandre digs and and yes, one touchdown.
1: Yeah, like Colt McCoy was exactly what we expected. He was Colt McCoy. It was, it, there's a reason he's a backup quarterback. There's a reason he hasn't really started a game. Well, had a stretch of stats for like four or five years until that last couple of drives. But they they found something that worked in the third quarter, and that was the difference when the defense was stopping. But that defense had four or five players playing at a level. That maybe most Seal's fans weren't weren't aware that they were playing that already. James Bradbury's playing out of his skin at cornerback for the Giants. Obviously, the commentary team kept highlighting Blake Martinez, but Jabril Peppers looks like the first-round pick he was for the Browns what f- four or five years ago. So mm-hmm. they've got and all those players stepped up, and it just happened that we had just failed to step up when the time on the play needed to happen today it just yeah, th- yeah I was just saying just their defense is good and their gems their star their like core of that defense for the next few years were the difference makers and kind of nullified anything we tried and I mean the amount of times Jabril Peppers was breaking up passes obviously had this big sack on Russell Wilson as well Bradbury kind of kept Metcalf relatively quiet. I think the two biggest plays Metcalf had was against the other guy, uh, Yidom. or Yidom, however you say his name. But yeah, And that Blake Martinez was like Bobby Wagner in on every tackle. and That's why him and
0: Bobby are the leading tacklers over the last two or three years. Yeah, not to mention Leonard Williams on the day. Two and a half sacks. He had two tackles for a loss. He had five quarterback hits. You know, he was all over the place in the middle of the offensive line, breaking things up. So you definitely have to give credit To the Giants defense in this game, it's just that I I just thought that the offense would be able to put up 20 some points in this game and they just they didn't make the adjustments to what they needed to do early enough. It wasn't until I think the fourth quarter where after the Seahawks were down 17 five to where the offense started playing with some tempo. You know, Russell Wilson was dropping back. He was hitting the guy that was underneath and they moved the ball down the field relatively quickly and they get the touchdown with Chris Carson on a on a 28 yard pass. So they are able to get their big play. It's just they were patient enough to set up the the big play being available. And it was a really nice play that was, you know, the way they drew it up to, you know, have the safety kind of paying attention more to DK Metcalf than Chris Carson. And it was it was a nice play.
1: Yeah, but like even on that drive, obviously I'm a dom, so I don't really know what Russell Wilson's seeing or what what the difference is when they go no huddle on the defense and then kind of situations. But Russell just looked as decisive as he has in like two and a half weeks. It just every throw was with purpose, every throw was like flinging in there. There was no chance of like a floater that we saw a few a couple of times. Obviously, the Baker, the big. The big player a few weeks ago when dk chased him down but they didn't see any of that it was drilled into the receivers the receivers were there the receivers were open it's just i don't understand how that works but it worked and it's just as you as we said earlier just annoying it took a what 12 point deficit for it to spark it into life because there's like russell Wilson had a bit of a game on him and that drive but then it was what four and a half five minutes ago in the game and it was basically a bit desperate Dan situation from him
0: and the and the defense really up until the Giants seventh drive of the game had played really well the first half I thought Jamal Adams was the highlight and he picks up another sack in this game he's up to seven and a half the record for a defensive back is eight sacks and that was set back in 2005 so on Jamal's next sack he is going to break the record for defensive backs and getting sacks yeah, I, I, I think the defense is
1: fine, apart from three plays, maybe. Obviously, the big Gorman run was a bit of a backbreaker, 60 yards, and there's a couple of, think, I mean, the misplays are probably going to be pretty obvious for the people who pay attention to the All-22 and stuff, but I think the defense has been good. I think the defense was fine. Bobby Wagner was in the hole. I think, I think, talking of looking for positive, I think Jordan Brooks looks an absolute stood in the making, at linebacker. He's best game. I think he led the team in tackles, or if he didn't, Jamal or Bobby we were right up there with him I, th- I think yeah. he looked Both really he and good and Jamal
0: had uh, 11 tackles on the day
1: yeah like, I, he was everywhere especially in that first half I, I thought he he legitimately looks they may have actually nailed the first round pick with him I think um, uh, DJ Reed didn't really do anything glaringly Shaq was
0: relatively untested like he give the Late fourth quarter catch up, yeah, but yeah, McCoy had a hundred yards, so we yeah. <laughs> didn't like, really so, get a yes. a whole good look at. You uh, had the one nice pass breakup by Bobby Wagner downfield, yeah, in the second half.
1: Yeah, and like K, K, and KJ Wright was KJ, and Jaron Reed was in the middle of the Puna the foot. That defense was fine. The defense. Yeah, is- I'll
0: have to go look. I I think that it was KJ who wasn't able to set the edge on on that one big run, and I think it was also a, a really good block by the offense. So I'll have to go back and watch that for sure. But I, I think it was KJ that was on the edge on that big run.
1: See, I, I, I watched it and my initial reaction in the group chat we've got was that Quandre Diggs took completely the wrong angle trying to come down mm. and make the tackle. So maybe it's somewhere in the middle, maybe they're both to blame. But yeah, the, the defense is fine. The defense is finally turning corner. I mean, they still got injuries. I mean, Quinton Dunbar is supposed to be back. Trey Flowers is on IR. I'm not too sure if he's, that's a Season-ending IR, but it's a blow all the same. And Caston, that I never saw him on the sideline today, and he he he's clearly gimpy as well. But the defense did what they had to do against, as you say, a backup quarterback, what a third and fourth choice running back.
0: Yeah, and really, it was that one big drive where they gave up the one big run, and then it was the fourth and one. Russell was really critical on on that play, being kind of the the one that really flipped this game and. Yeah. It really was because the Giants were up eight to five. The Seahawks were driving down. You know, Will Disley comes up just short of the sticks on that third down catch. And normally, you know, there's so many other times in this game where you saw Disley make the catch, making guys miss, and and picking up first downs. And and on on that one play, he wasn't able to make enough of a move to to get to the sticks. And then fourth and one, the Giants cover up you know, all the options for Russ pretty well, and and Russ tries to make you know one of his. You know, spin move type throws to to get the ball to Carson and uh, not able to convert on that fourth and one. It was nice to see
1: Dizzy back involved. Mostly, these other rough couple of years and he's kind of been the forgotten man. Hollis is getting way more targets than probably even Jacob Hollis would probably expect at the start of the season. But <laughs> so it's nice to see that. It was just, yeah, like, like I said, it was just little fragments and just little things that didn't quite fall off through the bounce of the ball where Russell Wilson, and DJ Dallas had both hands on it. And it went for a statement for two points instead of six or seven, and obviously the turnover with Russ as well. But yeah, it's just it's smaller fragments. But the the bigger issue is that it's not the first time the offense has stagnated during the game and not been able to get out out of the funk it was clearly in. But this this was a different level to what we've seen. I I I I really think this kind of started in Buffalo. I think that kind of set some issues maybe the yips, as I called it, it's actually not the yips, but the yips, as I call it, Russell kind of set in then because he, he's just scared of making, not scared, but he's cautious that he's going to make a, a back-breaking mistake, which he made two or three times in that. Maybe the play calling's just been reined in a little bit, or, or, or I don't know, but that Buffalo game seems to be the start of this kind of slump that uh, the quarterback is in for the Seahawks.
0: You know, you really hate this idea that everybody has to be healthy and clicking for this offense to to seem to be able to work. I mean, we've seen Russ huh. behind uh, an offensive line who couldn't block very well. And, you know, this is probably the best line that he's had. Even if you have injury issues on, on the right side or Dwayne Brown and Mikey potty dealing with lingering issues throughout the season. It, I feel like that should be able to work, finding ways to, to get the run game going. Even if Chris Carson happens to be out or Carlos Hyde, you know, it's, it's frustrating that they seem to have all of the the pieces for it, but things aren't going together the right way. And I guess then in that case, you have to put a lot of it on coaching.
1: Yeah, I mean, like on everyone being healthy, when they, the last time they played the Giants was 2017 and the running backs were Trey Madden, Thomas Rawls and J.D. McKissick. I mean, right. that's not like the Hall of Fame of Seahawks running backs. It's... I mean, that's what week five, week six think that was and they're already down to the bare bones at running back. So it's, and coaching, coaching worked that day in New York against a different Giants team. Eli Manning was kind of treading war at that point. But yeah, the coaching comes back to it because it was, there's clearly something that isn't on the same tracks somewhere down the line, I guess it's clearly an issue on the track somewhere. But the, the fact that Russell was one of the best quarterbacks in the league and this is, this happens it's just the fact, as I said, it's not the first time in the last month, and that's slightly concerning. But the schedule is not looking great now. I mean, the, the Washington D-line is better than what we've just, just give up five sacks against. Right. So that's a bit of a concern. Um, the Jets the, the Jets,
0: almost well enough to win today
1: yeah. against the Raiders. And Denzel Mims looks really good as a rookie, and we don't really know who's going to play both cornerback spots next week. And... At the start of the season, we're giving up all the long plays, which is obviously not happening now. But after today, maybe there's another correction coming. So yeah, it's just, I mean, the Seahawks. Uh, I think they on the NBC pregame for Sunday night game, they said it was a 98 chance that the Seahawks are making the playoffs. So we're in the we're in the game, but our game, our our game must be better.
0: Oh yeah, I and I don't have any doubt that the Seahawks aren't going to the playoffs this year. No. It's just Going into this game, you had the expectation of or or at least the hope that, okay, with the Saints playing with a backup quarterback, maybe they can lose one or two down the road with the Green Bay Packers. You know, could they lose one or two of their tough matchups going down these last five games and could the Seahawks get to that number one seed and with the loss tonight with the Rams getting the win, it just looks like the number one seed is out of reach and maybe even the winning the division is in question. To lose to the Giants, it makes me, you know, it it totally changes my mindset, I guess, going into these final few weeks.
1: Yeah, I mean, the thing is that it kind of puts us in the driver's seat for that fifth seed, which will end up playing probably the Giants. So that'll be fun
0: to go through that. I I think you could say it would definitely be the Giants. (laughs) Because even (laughs) if they get to, I mean, even if they play well going down the stretch and they get to eight wins, I think they're still going, that's still going to be the four seed.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's them on Washington, obviously, at this point. Washington, oh, right. yeah. Washington, Mike Smith, they've got the Steelers tomorrow, and if all of, new, all of well, the blue half of the New Jersey Swamp are going to be wishing for um, wishing for the Steelers tomorrow. But yeah, look, I, I think the Giants will win the East. They've looked good the last couple of weeks. I mean, they gave Jared Goff some issues about a month ago. But obviously, that's Jared Goff, and he has his own issues to deal with every week. <laughs> but it's... Um, We'll probably spend the whole week fretting and we
0: go and put up 42 or something ridiculous in New York. That would make me feel a little bit better. But beating a winless team would just fall in in line with, you know, like I would have expected this week to have gone. Like, get the win and go on your way. Yeah, it's the perfect get right game in now
1: next week with against the Jets, I guess.
0: I thought that I thought the same thing about the Raiders going and playing the Jets. And then, you know, they barely squeak out a win. So now, see, again, it's changing my mindset. Now I'm worried about the Jets and I, I didn't want to <laughs> be in that, spa- that space, that headspace going into this final game. Stu, I really want to thank you for coming on and help me break down this game against the New York Giants emotionally. You, your emotions are much more tempered now than what I think we can expect from your co-host Adam on the pedestrian podcast this week
1: uh, I think both of us I'm just really tired <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's right you're over you're you're over there in, the, in England and uh much later in yeah. the in the evening for you <laughs> yeah it's half two in the morning and I'm
1: going straight <laughs> to bed uh once once we've uh, stopped but yeah dissect it. Like the, yeah the podcast will be out this week we from, from a guest with me and adam having... Some firm would doing we' joining the Zoom crowd as well, so it's it's been fun last few last few months. We're after what 130 episodes hitting our stride, so maybe maybe that's all the Seahawks need to do over the last month of the season. We'll then we'll have some fun, possibly maybe in January. It's 2021 it can't be any worse than 2020, can it? So maybe that's what we got to look forward to.
0: You know what? That was one thing that I was very thankful for because walking out of the stadium after a game like today. Would have been one of the worst feelings imaginable. I, I've yeah. done that walk before on a game that you feel like you're supposed to win. And uh so I'm I'm glad. I, I can be glad after a game like this that I wasn't actually there in person. Yeah, that's a very
1: good point. There was a couple of our guys over here who were supposed to be going out to the game. Uh this uh in a normal year. And obviously they didn't. Um so yeah, they must be looking at their bank account, thankful they've got that extra <laughs> few figures in there than they would have right and then sit right. through that but yeah like, like i said I, I wish it finished 12 5 or 14 5 that would have been
0: brilliant it kind of it kind of made it all worth it i think at least it would have been something right yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. he's Stuart court uh really want to thank you for coming on be sure and check out the pedestrian podcast the uk seahawkers podcast and be sure and get in your ins and outs for My three in, three out show with Clinton Bonner. Send those to @ClintonBon on Twitter. Use the hashtag #3I3O. Really try hard and help Clinton out in finding some ins because there's going to be plenty of outs for this game. So, (laughs) so work on trying to get those to him. And Stu, let's get on out of here. Go Hawks!